Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. It's bonus week. That means you're getting five episodes, five straight days. It's the CrossFit Games week. The 2019 CrossFit Games are coming at you. Fern and I are going to be on the floor judging. Feel free to screenshot, to grab a picture of us judging, throw up a caption, goof on us, whatever you want. Send it to us. We love to see those. Nothing like getting off the competition floor and having a billion texts from all your friends and family telling you they saw you judging. Pretty sure my mom's screensaver on her phone is a picture of me judging, which is pretty cool that mom takes pride in watching me judge the CrossFit Games. But it's bonus week. That means you're getting an episode every day. And today's episode is with my man, Stu Brower. Stu's the man. He's a great dude. And a lot of people give him some some shade, if you will. They throw hate at Stu because he's brash, he curses, all that stuff. But you're gonna really get to know Stu in this episode. We we break down a lot of walls and it's pretty apparent with talking to him that he's smart, he's intelligent, and he knows what he's talking about. So I highly recommend checking this out. Whether you're a box owner or a coach or you just wanna hear some best practices for things you can do out in the small business world, this will be a great episode. I really like Stu. So if, if you're unsure, if you like him, listen to this episode, because by the end, I think you'll change your mind. Check it out. Stu's got some great stuff going on. He talks all about it in this episode, but so do we. We've got our mentor program going on, our beta group oversold. It's sold out, but we're gonna open more spots. And if you're interested in those spots, Hit us up on social media at best hour of their day. And you can also shoot us an email, best hour of their day at gmail.com. You can hit us up either way. We'll get back to you with some more information. Our program's great if you're preparing for your level two, your level three, the level four that is coming out shortly, or even if you just haven't taken your level one yet and you want to learn a little bit more about coaching. If you just want to be a better coach, the feedback we're getting from our beta testers is that the program is phenomenal. We have multiple calls every week with Fern, myself. We've got a couple other coaches on our staff as well, all level three or above on the CrossFit seminar crew. And we're just trying to help you guys get better. And with feedback on your coaching, with feedback on whiteboard briefs, all that stuff goes on in our private group. We have questions every day meant to challenge you, meant to make you think about coaching, meant to help you grow as a coach. So hit us up again on social media at best hour of their day. You can email us best hour of their day at gmail.com. And here we go. My interview with Stu Brower coming up right here, right now, bonus week on best hour of their day. All right. I'm here with Stuart Brower, the man. Uh, welcome, Stu. What's up? Well, good to see you again. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks, months. I don't know. I feel like I see you every day, to be honest. <laughs> That's the goal is to try to, you know, especially with organic, right? Organic Facebook. I can't run ads because I swear in my videos. So I have to post like nine to 12 times a day just so I'm in front of people organically. But um, yeah, no, it's been a few months since our podcast. I got so much good feedback on that. I had a lot of people DM me and, you know, you get that. And I'm sure you get this as well. Like, oh, that really, but I had a lot of people um, really like that one. So I, it's, uh, I, I was excited to do this again. So, 
Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm sure you will get the same response from our, you know, listeners and audience. And I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of overlap out there. But I was talking with my wife this morning. There's like so much noise on social media. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think about that? What do you think about and, and I think you and I are somewhat guilty of this, but what do you think of the people that are like throwing out life advice left and right and they don't have their shit together? My favorite place to go to compare social media now in 2019 to the real world is New York City. Times Square, New York City. You look around and you could have a you could have a seizure with how many lights and flashing, look at me and look at this and this. And then on the street some dude screaming like God is coming in the rapture and you're a fornicator and a masturbator and you're going to die. And then you have another dude playing the violin with his toes. And then you have some woman sing like it, like literally man, uh, Times Square in New York city is very much like social media today. There's just so much to look at and certain things will grab your attention. You know, here's the deal is people give advice. And then some of us are going to look at it and be like, bro, what are you giving life advice for? You live on your mom's couch or a business owner trying to create, you know, trying to do a, you know, a business coaching company, and he he's still struggling with his business. We're all going to find that. But at the least, my guess is they're going to at least say one thing that one person's going to find valuable. And I'll tell you this, it does. We all get kind of that endorphin high in that drip. When we produce a piece of content, we put ourselves out there and people give us the pat on the back in the form of a like, a follow, a thumbs up. That is good. It's the same way that in class, nothing makes us feel better as a coach than when someone's like, dude, I actually picked up both my kids the other day, double arm, deadlifted them both up, cleaned them up to my shoulders, and we played for hours. Like, that is like the equivalent. So do I think there's a bunch of like hucksters out there? 100%. But at the end of the day, they're going to at least help one person. And those that are in the know will scroll past, you know, kind of scenario. Well, and that's what it is. You nailed it. I mean, I've heard people like Simon Sinek talk about it. It's a dopamine hit. Yeah. And it's free. It's free, you know, but that's why people are checking their phone, you know, hundreds of times every day, just for that. Like you need that hit. And it's a challenge I've really had to overcome. Like you can't, you know, decide how much you're worth based on how many followers and how many likes you're getting on a picture. A hundred percent. And it's, I mean, I've literally taken it to the point where I started writing um, kind of a, a the, like a, I start writing notes on certain topics that I think about. It. And sometimes it might take me months, maybe if not a year or so to really cultivate it. But like, I sometimes feel like I'm, you know, I'm married. I feel like I'm having an affair on my wife with the amount of love I put into X amount of thousands of strangers every single day. And the amount of effort, especially because creating content is my full-time job now. And I, I look at that transaction and that's the same transaction I might have with my wife. Let's just sitting on the couch, chilling and watching Netflix. And maybe I forego her transaction with her to have one and edit a video so that, you know, 10,000 strangers give me a high five digitally. And it's, it's very interesting when you get into the deep psychology of what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're doing it. But um, yeah, social media is a, it's a blessing and a curse. I obviously, I think, you know, I think of social media, the, its real reason is to create influence, whether you monetize it or not, right? The, the idea of like sharing and community, and I want to see what my friends are doing is, is one thing. Um, but I ultimately just to create influence to, to, to say something and have someone listen and either be, you know, they liked what you said, you moved them, you made them laugh, you inspired them, whatever. And then you move on. And then it just depends how, how, how often you want to go back to that well and do that for people for free. And then can you monetize it later on down the road? Yeah. If it's not becoming something that you can monetize your, why are you doing it? Sure. 
And you could just be like, a, you know, you like to be given a sermon, you know, you're kind of like, you're just like giving a sermon and talking shop on certain things. And, and I think honestly, some of the people that have done the most, that have been able to monetize it the best, and I'll even throw myself in this category, didn't start off with monetization goals. They just started making content. And I think that's when it comes off very authentic. Every gym owner now knows the, the Chandler Tildresses and the Alex Hermoses of the world and all the, the, the guys that are just popping up in your feed trying to get you to sign on for a webinar, ebook, or how they got seven other gyms, 400 members in three hours, right? Like those kind of guys. And that just, we all know that's so huckster. We all know that like that car sales me thing. So then when you come across someone that doesn't want a thing and they seem very raw, it just, it pulls you in. You're just more attracted to that. So um, it's kind of like you ever pass by a panhandler as you get off the highway or as you're driving and you'll see some guys that have like a sign that says like veteran of foreign wars, whatever. And you're like, yeah, I've seen that before. And I might not give them a dollar. However, you've seen and seen these viral videos where it's a guy in a suit with resumes, handing them out on the highway. And instead of asking for money, he's handing out resumes on the highways to people. And there's been stories that these guys have gone viral and they get a job working at Google. Right. Like it just, it's a different way to grab attention. And I, and I think the authentic non needing to monetize it kind of way is just a unique approach that people will listen to. Well, I live in Naples, Florida, so we don't have homeless people, but yeah, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> you know, we actually do have one guy at the bottom of you know, 75 when I get off and you're right. It's like, you've been there, done that. Yeah. All right. I told you beforehand, I wanted to ask you some fun questions. We're going to talk about all you got going on with the micro gym and all the WTF stuff. But first and foremost, my big question to you, Stu, is, you know, recently there was this Bagel Boss guy. Have you seen the Bagel Boss guy? No. So talking about viral videos, it's this 411 dude. If you're listening to this, pause, go Google Bagel Boss guy. He's this 411 dude. He has a meltdown in a, in a bagel shop. So... And, you know, everyone's talking about how the fact that he's 4'11", he's had a hard life. And I'm like, dude, I'm 5'3". I didn't really ever think about it from that perspective. Like, I'm sure. Now, Stu, I don't know that you've ever thought about this, but you have a disadvantage as well in the sense that you're redhead. Yeah, I'm a ginger, yeah. What has been the biggest challenge in your life become (laughs) because you're a redhead? This is so good. So I remember I was in college and I lived in a house with a bunch of guys and all of a sudden everyone is roaring laughing in a room and it's one of our buddies room and I go down there and they're watching that episode, the very first episode of South Park where the ginger episode and ginger became a thing. It was like 2006 or something like that, seven maybe. And ginger became a title for a redhead. Before that, it was fire crotch. That was like the derogatory term That's for a, a ginger, right? That's yeah, the fire crotch is a great one. And so like, but it really wasn't, um, it, it, it didn't really affect me. Just you had, the second you see something like that and you'd South Park, right? And you know, it's going to catch on and be super popular, a term. You have to just embrace it and you have to be on the defensive of it. So I saw that as like, I'm never, ever going to live down ginger. That's going to be a thing for the rest of my life. Like I'm, I just like in that moment I knew, so I need to just embrace it. Right. So whenever I'd introduce myself, I'd be meeting girls and like me and my buddies would go up to a couple girls in college and be like, oh, I'm John. I'm, I'm like, I'm Stu. I'm their ginger buddy. So I could get to the joke before anybody else fucking could. Right. Um, I, so I, but honestly that also, I think something like that when you have, when you're short or when you're fat and you've seen this comedians like Ralphie May, um, you know, there's plenty of comedians that self-deprecate on themselves, but like when you can find the thing, you know, is going to be teasable or laughable and someone could take when you can own it first, you have full control of the narrative. 
You are the first to break the story. You're the first to have control of it. And now nobody can joke on you when you joke on yourself first. And that was a life lesson I definitely learned uh, as a redhead once that ginger episode at South Park dropped. Yeah, you know, I talked about that with my buddies. I was like, I never thought about it. You know, do you guys look at me as short? And they're like, well, you're obviously short, but you have a big personality. So I think it kind of overrides that. And, you know, in retrospect, I'm like, did I develop this personality because I was short or would that have happened everywhere? But yeah, you got to get ahead of those jokes. Yeah. And you, you start developing quick little one-liners. Like people will come move, will be here at urban movement in my gym and they'll be like, where are you from? And they're like, Oh, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I'm from Cleveland. And I moved down here, you know, us gingers, we're tropical people. We want to be by the sunshine and I'll like joke around with them and you know, Oh, we tan in beautiful shades of red. And like, you just get, you'll just like come up with with little one-liners that just allow you to own it. And now no one else can joke on you. Yeah. My buddy in college was super redhead, super pale. And we'd say, you don't, you just turn pink. Like you go from white to pink. Yeah. From translucent to lobster like that. All right. So you brought something up that I had done a little digging. You're from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And I did a little bit of a research and there's a place called Jack Frost Donuts. Yeah. Are you familiar with Jack Frost Donuts? Not as much as m- other Clevelanders would be, but uh, familiar enough, I think. Okay, but I also found something called a Polish boy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Cleveland's got a big Irish and a big Polish network and it's, yeah, so there's a Polish boy, yeah. So tell me a little bit about what that is and have you had one recently? I have. So I am, um, one thing, I, I I would never be invited on a culinary-based podcast. I am the, like, I have the worst palate ever. I could eat literally anything. I'm like, oh yeah, it's great. doesn't matter. Um, a Polish boy, and there's a lot of like uh, traditional, like, um, like panini sandwiches and cultural, like, you know, uh, Polish and, and Irish do like uh, corned beef and cabbage, right? And all these like delicacies. Of, and the Polish people and the Irish people are not known for their food. Let's just face it, right? Like that's not their thing. But there are a couple joints in Cleveland that are in the traditional kind of those, you know, very Polish or Irish American neighborhoods. Um, and now that you're mentioning those names, that does ring a bell. But yeah, like, I'm, I, like I honestly don't even know if I've ever had one. I've heard people talk about it, but I'm probably the only Irish kid in Cleveland, Ohio, it's also maybe had corned beef and cabbage one time in his life. It's yeah, just, that was another big food there. I looked that up and it was yeah. like some really great. I just, I was just never, never did it for me. Cleveland, like it just, you know, two, I'm going to, I'm flying out to Ireland here at the end of August. I'm doing a speaking thing out there. And I'm like, everyone's like, oh, what's the one thing you're really excited to go to Ireland for? And I've been there before. I'm like, well, sure as hell isn't the food. That's, that's for sure. You know, um, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, so I, I couldn't even tell you what is in this sandwich, but it is, I'm the outlier. People love that stuff. There's the, uh, the market downtown Cleveland, and there's a bunch of little Polish shops set up, and they sell all kinds of different, you know, traditional native delicacies. And uh, people go, they wait in line for hours for them. I'm just, I think I'm just the outlier. All right. So your, your podcast and your business is all based around this WTF. Yes. You know, those of us, we understand what the fuck, but where did that come from originally? Why did you decide to go with WTF? So as a business owner, I constantly had like these palm to forehead WTF moments, right? Like where I would just be sitting there and it like, you know, um, the city would hit me with some kind of like a business registration bill. I didn't even know was a thing. And I now owe $2,000. I'm like, what the fuck? Or like the plumbing blew out. And then when I go to look at my, you know, my lease that wasn't covered by my landlord, I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Or like that client sends you an email and they're bitching about something and they need this or they're just being maybe a pain in the ass prospect. I'm like, oh, what in the fuck? Like, I just had these all the time. 
And I am, again, being from Cleveland, I, wa- I was growing up as a kid watching the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland, Ohio, and my grandparents and my family, very vulgar individuals. Like this is like, I was the kid on the playground swearing at the earlier age than anybody else. And uh, so it just matched my style a little bit. It's, you know, kind of, it's my linguistics uh, and my communication and me and my wife, when we go out in public, she's like, she'll like tap me. She was like, you need to turn down the Cleveland in you for these, for this group of people. These were, t- we're meeting with your daughter's teachers. Um, and so WTF was also, but I also looked, I also, from a marketing perspective, I looked at, uh, I looked at what everyone was doing that was helping gym owners. And I knew I needed to stand out. And I looked at guys like, you know, I consider one of the original pioneers, Chris Cooper, right? Two brain business, amazing dude, smart guy, uh, written all these amazing books. He had a very vanilla and, and not a bad way, Chris, if you listen to this, but like this very straightforward delivery. And I looked at everyone else and there was really no one that was kind of like a shock jockey. There was nobody that was a little aggressive. And so I thought my personality would fit great with that. So that's, that's kind of where what the fuck came from. Yeah. And it is your personality. Like we oh. say in coaching, you know, Fern and I talk about presence and attitude. Yes. You edit at 11. Yep. I don't think you are cursing, you know, 24 seven, you have a wife, you have kids, Yeah. But, but it is certainly you. If you're talking offline, you get the same stew. Now, oh, yeah. where's, where's the worst place you accidentally cursed? You know what? The worst place I've ever accidentally cursed. Um, I don't think I did. We hired a, me and my wife eloped. We hired a documentary crew to follow us around and do our entire nuptials in the public place in the sky rise up in Boston. I don't know if I cursed during the vows. Like I forgot something maybe. And I swore, but like, I would say now it's probably around like my daughter. Like I'll be like, you know, her name's Francie, but I call her Gus. I'm like, Gus, hand me, hand me the fucking pacifier. Oh shit. And like, I'm like, catch myself. Cause I'm just like, I just, I use fuck as like an adjective for anything. And in a good way, like a positively way, good way. Um, I would say probably my daughter is probably, and I'm doing my best to, 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 to uh, curb that. Cause I definitely don't want to be having to get called into parent teacher conferences because uh, she's the first one on the, on the playground to swear. But yeah, I don't think I've ever really cursed anywhere where I uh, I got publicly scorned for it. Um, maybe if I get invited on some like Christian podcast at some point, that might be it might be somewhere that we might have to get some bleeps and uh, some censored uh, you know editing going in afterwards. I don't think you have to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but but that did lead me to my question. So you call your daughter Gus? Yeah. You when and. Will it be acceptable for her to curse? Is it going to be at home? Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, I, I, here's the thing is I don't, I'm very George, George Carlin is a comedian for any of you guys who are maybe younger, he's my favorite comedian. I got to see one of his last stand up specials in Cleveland before he died. I like, I wanted to do stand up in high school. That was like one of my pipeline dreams. Right. Um, and I, uh, I loved all his stuff and I believe a lot of his thesis was that there's no such thing as a bad word. It's the context in which you do it and which you say it. And, and, you know, you know, fuck is the most versatile word in our, it's an adjective, an adverb, a noun, a verb, it's a pronoun. It's, I mean, it's everything. It, it, it's the most versatile. If she swears, I won't be as upset. What I'll want to know is the context. Were you being mean to somebody? Were you trying to make someone laugh? Were did you just stub your toe on the end table? Did you realize you forgot your homework? And I'm just going to want to know the context. And as long as you're not doing it to belittle another person or make another person feel bad or intimidated or, or use it to be nasty in any way, I'm probably going to be okay with it. Just don't do it around your mother. Yeah, you know, I think actually that's why you and I 
get along so well because I love comedians. Carlin is, of course, famous oh, for his like seven yeah. words you can't say, you know. But I would get pissed, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tit, fart, turd, and twat. All right. Well, there you go. Play that back in uh, <laughs> slow motion if you want to hear it. But, you know, I was watching recently comedians in cars getting coffee and there's a whole conversation like about can you make this joke about the Holocaust? And it's like, sure, this shit is very offensive. But I was telling Roz, like my wife, I don't get offended by anything. And I think that's why I resonate with comedians so well. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah, there's a difference between making a Holocaust joke to be very funny. And because you admit this is a terrible thing and we never want it to happen again versus I hate Jewish people. A hundred percent. I've seen that around, you know, even around 9-11. And I was living in New Jersey at the time. And there were comedians that came out and had HBO specials. Carlin was one of them. And um, there was, yeah, man, there was just so much opportunity to take horrible tragedies and come up with one thing that even the closest person to that event would laugh at. Now, 9-11 is a little bit different. There's nobody still around that suffered during the Holocaust, right? So it's a little bit different, but I mean, I agree. I, are, right? yeah. yeah, very few. Um, but yeah, no, I agree a, a thousand percent. It's, I think laughter is the best medicine in every situation, in every situation. All right, I'm going to ask you one more question, kind of off the topic before we dive mm-hmm. into what you excel at, but you are doing great so far. So you have your child. I, I was do. looking through your Facebook. You have a functional video out there where you're basically comparing farmers carry to trips from the car yeah yeah, the grocery bag stuff yeah i need you to be honest with me you get home with your kid how many trips are you making from the car to the front door there there's a lot of trips um you know you got the especially on trips like when you take the baby somewhere on vacation you've got the pack and play and the car seat and 17 binkies and all this stuff it's it's yeah um, that video was definitely aimed at our, uh, our avatar that live in apartments and they walk to the grocery store and all that. But as a father, yeah, um, that, if I would have made that video for a suburban, uh, avatar client, somebody who lives like me, who has got a kid and maybe, you know, uh, lives in a single family home, it would have been a little bit different. It would, it would have been more like a sandbag carry three times through. Do you, when you have to do that, do you feel like less of a man though? No, you know, especially, uh, the worst was I didn't have a, my wife didn't allow me to have a car seat in my vehicle for a very long time. A, cause I'm always recording a podcast when I drive or I'm taking a call. She knows I'm always working. So like, it just wasn't a, she's like, I don't need you having a car seat in there. But once I, we got to the point where it's absolutely necessary, it was less practical. My daughter was going to like pre 2k school or whatever they call it. Um, and I would unload stuff and my buddy, all my, cause I was the first one married, the first one with kids out of my entire friend group. My buddies would just tease the shit out of me, right? And now they're all in the same and they're like, hey, man, they're like calling and FaceTime me. Can you help me? How do I install this car seat? And now it's funny. You know, now it's like, ah, now I see. Now you need me. Um, but yeah, no, in the beginning, my buddies would razz the shit out of me. All right. Let me ask you some real questions. And those are real. I think, you know. Oh, yeah, those are cool. That's that's what's going to make this podcast cool, because I'm going to be able to tell people, if you want to go listen to one where I don't get asked the same questions over and over, go check out what Jason and me did. It was it was funny. It was offbeat. I love it, man. Don't stop doing that stuff. Well, when I hear it, it's like you really resonate with me. I'm like, this is why I like Stu, because truth is you're a brash dude. People are going to find you. And it's, it's the Howard Stern effect, right? Like people will tune out or they're going to listen forever. Sure but people need to listen to you because you clearly are making an impact out there. And I, you know, like we talked about with social media, I value what you put out there because you've done it and you're leading by example. Now, 
knowing that, tell me what the biggest mistake, you know, I'll, I'll go micro gym because you're not focused only on, on boxes. When I say boxes, sure. it's typically cross. Yeah. But what's the biggest mistake micro gyms are making? Me, me that I've made or that I see the rest of the industry making? That you see right now in 2019 happening. Yeah. I think the biggest thing um, is currently right now, let's call, and again, micro gyms, the biggest portion of that is going to fall into the CrossFit thing. Let's not get confused. CrossFit created this micro gym movement 100,000%. 100% credit goes to CrossFit. But now there's so many that are, they never affiliated because they couldn't afford it or they didn't want to. They wanted to forge their own path or whatever it may be. And then you have these high intensity uh, million dollar franchise models that have all extended off of this. But the biggest thing right now, I think for the mom and pop, the people that are listening to this, people questioning their CrossFit affiliation, possibly, which is their brand, right? They might have their own brand. They might be CrossFit South End or CrossFit East or whatever, but they are a CrossFit affiliate. And now they're playing with the idea of should I rebrand? I don't know what CrossFit's doing. I don't know whether I want to stay, but I also like, I think people at some point they look around and they maybe hear of what NC Fit did, Jason Kalipa's gym, formerly CrossFit NorCal, now NC Fit, or maybe see what Stu did or Metabolic or any of these other companies. And they're like, oh, okay, well, they changed it and they look to be doing really well. Is that the secret to success? And I'm here to tell you, it's not the secret to success. You will not rip CrossFit off the wall and people come running in. I just had a come to Jesus moment. We had a, you know, I had a call with a client and I explained to him, you realize like I've been rebranded in this new company. It's three years old urban movement. And we've taken, let's call it a 30% annual revenue hit. And all I did, and I could, because I gutted the entire thing. I got rid of the CrossFit. I changed the class style. I got rid of all the, those kind of clients. Like you don't make more money when you rebrand, not immediately. The only reason you rebrand is because you truly just don't want to do the thing you were doing. Your core values and your core focus changed. I see, and that's probably my, that's why I'm doing that self-made summit is because that's my number one question I get. I'm thinking of rebranding and it's a buzzword now. It sounds cool to say, right? It just, I think people just want to like use that term. And I'm like, well, why? Well, I don't know, man. I don't like what CrossFit's doing. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't really affect you. So why are you wanting to rebrand? And we have this conversation, we get to it, they don't really want to rebrand, they might want to do what I call repositioning. They might want to just adjust and elevate and sophisticate the brand. And there's definitely a process to that that you can do. But you know, it's really identifying what it is they like about CrossFit versus not and is rebranding or not a good move. But one thing just so everyone understands, you don't make more money when you rebrand immediately, you make more money when you stop doing something you don't agree with, or you don't love as much anymore, and you change the method or the model, whatever it is. If any of you guys instantly just, you know, I don't believe in kipping. Let's say you believe that. You're like, kipping is for the, is the devil. I don't believe in it. We're never going to kip. And you just ran a gym that was just strict gymnastics. And that's what you said to say, listen, all you guys with jacked up rotator cuffs, you ripped your infraspinitis or your Terry's minor got all jacked up doing butterfly. We're the gym. We do nothing but strict gymnastics. Come see us. You will get so strong. And like, you could, there's a niche of people that be like, that's what I want to do. I would rather be able to do five strict bar muscle ups than one kipping. And you will attract a certain kind of client that wants to look like bar stars. You ever see those big Jack Black dudes that are just prison ripped, just crushing it. And they rarely kip. I mean, they can do everything strict. And like, you'll attract a certain kind of clientele. So it's not, it's, you know, it doesn't make you more money necessarily. Just when you do something you really believe in, that always makes you money. Yeah. And just because you want to go to strict doesn't mean you don't do CrossFit. I like what you're saying. I think yeah. people like, I'm going to rebrand. They envision like, hey, I'm changing my colors to blue and pink. Sure. Or rebranded. 
where they, yeah, they realize want to come up with a clever name. They want to come up with an Uber. They want to come up with a name that sounds like, Ooh, wow. That's kind of neat. Like they want to like, they want to have that because we all just, we did CrossFit. The one thing we did because, uh, you just, we all didn't know any better. We just fell in line. What did he do? He said the word CrossFit and then he put his geographical location. Okay, that's what I'm gonna do. CrossFit and then my geographical location. And we all did that until geographical locations ran out. And then it became CrossFit, some kind of adjective. CrossFit, some kind of, and then people ran out. Now you got CrossFit, adjective, animal, Greek word. And like, you just have Greek this word. like, yeah, Greek word, just some, you gotta go to a Latin dictionary now to figure out your fucking name. And it really has nothing to do with your core values. You're picking your CrossFit affiliation name because it's what's left in the pool of English words available. You said prison ripped. I would think it's hard to get ripped in prison. That's all those guys have time to do is to do push-ups and squats and plyometric push-ups and you but know. The nutrition has got to be. I don't think they're serving out. I don't. You're right. I don't think any of those guys are getting one point two grams of protein per pound of body weight. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said that if you, uh, you 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 can you can take the nutrition quality down to a degree. But if you have 24 hours in a day and you're physically like you're literally working out out of boredom for four to five hours a day, you, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just good genetics, too. But yeah, a prison ripped is just always what I've called it. I just, I just think of dudes just doing pull ups on the yard. I feel like you have to say, hey, you cannot work a shitty diet unless you're in prison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they get protein shakes in prison. I don't know. I've never been. Commissary, you got to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of hours mopping to get a protein, you know, progenics yeah. in the uh, prison. So if somebody does, what are some things you might throw on a checklist then? Yeah. Okay. You know, and, and as you know, I'm very biased. I love CrossFit. Yep. I would put CrossFit on any gym I own because I truly believe in it. Yep. But I would say, hey, you can make your own rules. Do you want to yep. go strict only? That's cool. Yep. 100%. I think. I think a lot of people are, you know, I'm rebranding, I'm taking CrossFit, but they're still doing CrossFit. Yes, correct. And then, which is, and again, you seem like, again, I'll use Jason as an example only because I've been able to see it firsthand and be able to talk to that, that awesome dude. Um, Jason rebranded, but you walk in and nobody, not the consumer and not him is confused as to what they do. They just do it differently. They just tell a different story than maybe the other CrossFit gym down the street. And each CrossFit gym in and of itself tells a slightly different story. But like Jason was one of the first to really go all in on aesthetics. There were some gyms that did it before Jason, obviously, but like he was one of the ones that really showed it off and really showed like, hey guys, amazing storefronts and retail locations. This is what it would look like. And this is how we decided to separate ourselves from the other 19 gyms in, you know, Mountain View, California. Um, so for you guys, so a checklist, uh, here's my thing. The number one thing I think to any gym that's growing and wants that you have the very first thing you have to do. It's not expand your equipment line, increase you know the size of your building. You need a, a co-pilot. I really I put one hundred percent of my success not only on, on my ability and knowledge because I've been in this industry my entire life, but I did I put all my money I had and I did invest in new equipment. I invested in one human. Her name is Sarah Isaac. She's my general manager. She'll be our franchise operator, and she has been with me since two thousand and eleven, and. I made sure that her compensation for her fulfillment climbed up. I was lucky. There was a, the guys there, write this down. Uh, the people you want to grow with your business, especially if you can't afford a proper salary today, is someone young, single, not married. 
If they can check all three of those boxes, you can probably get away with not being able to compensate them 100% where they need to be from day one, but you'll be able to fulfill them a thousand percent from day one because they can will you just limit that to young and single. Yeah, young and single. Not I, I just I, I say yeah, young single just because, uh, but no, okay, young single but no kids because you can be single and have a kid. There you go. Right, yeah, young single, no kids. Um, yeah, because you need to be at that point in your life. Uh, you're, you know, you're probably most CrossFit micro gyms are not going to be able to provide a 40, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 dollars salary right off the bat. Um, it's something they're going to have to grow with. But that's exactly what I did with Isaac. I tell this story all the time. Hey, Isaac, how much you make at Bank of America? Oh shit, I can't do that. How does six hundred dollars a month sound? But, but every three months, I'll add five hundred to that salary. Five hundred. So five hundred every three months. But think about it. In three months, can I close mem- three memberships at that time to give me a recurring revenue of 500? And can I re- keep my retention at 96, 97%? And I, and I could. I was fully capable of it. So, and I just did that five, or, you know, from 600 to 1100, 1100 to 1600. And we just climbed it and climbed it and climbed it because fulfillment was high from day one. She quit a bit, nice paying Bank of America job to come work for me for peanuts. But it's because she's young. And at that time, you'll say, fuck the money to go and have fulfillment and do something you love. This millennial generation is all about that, right? So I was able to hack that. But if I were, and she's pregnant now and she's been married. Um, oh, she broke and two of the rules. Just, I couldn't, I know, right? But that's why I would never be able to get her for that same deal today. You know? So, but everybody listening, you need a co-pilot. Like, don't buy five Echo Bikes, don't go buy 50-pound dumbbells and ski ergs. Don't expand the building until you've expanded staff. A full focus slash full-time person, that's someone who's – and I don't even say 40 hours a week because there's weeks she works 55 hours a week. But there's – so, you know, young and single, I get it. But there's got to be more to it. That dude on the side of the road was also young and single. What are yeah. some other characteristics you saw in Isaac that made you think this is the girl? Um, she had no, I didn't want anybody with formalized fitness experience. I I wanted, I wanted someone fresh. I wanted a, you know how harder it is to take a bodybuilder who's just super like muscularly developed, but range of motion is dog shit and trying to like work with them on it. I wanted someone who had no fitness experience. I wanted to take someone and build them from the ground up. And even like, you know, even with us rebranding, we're getting our coaching uh, program accredited, um, so that I can do all my training in house. Right. I used to just outsource and send all my coaches to the level ones and level twos, which I still think is the best educational platform out there. I truly do believe that. I'm not just saying that because Jason's sitting here on the other side of the screen. I really do. But I needed speed. And at the rate in which we're going to have to with the franchise route, I have to have it in-house. It just has to be. You can't, you can't be doing this and then tell you people investing in a franchise, oh, we're just going to send them to CrossFit level ones. That doesn't fly with them. Um, so with her, I, was able, I, I did everything in-house with her. She did go get her level one, obviously, and her level two, but she was well on her. I mean, she was on the business side on her way, boom, way beyond that because it was all in-house. So what I look for for someone, I would look for, I wanted someone without any fitness experience. I'd rather take a unicorn, someone fresh who's never done it, who I don't have to correct old habits. It's tough. It's difficult. And you guys listening right now that you hired a coach and you worked at another gym for three years prior, you will have to break them a little bit of their old structure. And for me, now again, that's that's an outlier scenario. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but that's what I, me personally, that's what I would, I prefer that. If I don't get it, doesn't mean anything. Deuce, who's my assistant GM, he worked at Brian Strump's gym, a very good buddy of mine, right down the street across at Steel Creek. He worked there 
for over five years. And now he was part-time there. He's full-time here now. And I, I mean, it just, it took a little bit longer than it did with someone who was fresh, but at the same time, he's probably, I mean, he's absolutely invaluable. Isaac's pregnant now. She's going to be having a kid and Deuce is going to be my go-to during that entire period. And he's fully ready to go. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, those are the things I look for me personally. Talk to me about pricing at a gym. You go on urban movement minus the vowels, just in case people want to check out Stu's site, urbanmvmnt.com, urban movement. You got a drop in price. You have your 10 classes, but it doesn't appear that you have your, your price for a membership. What we did, and that was strategic. I've never hit prices in, in all the years since 2010. Never hit prices. It's always been on the website. Once I dropped CrossFit and I was urban movement, I wasn't getting as much traffic from an SEO perspective because this is a new thing. So people coming to, we were getting tons of views to the sites. And even when I geographically radiused it, because I get, I mean, the views we get to Urban Movement that are just micro gym owners that like find me and learn WTF and want to see what Urban Movement's doing, skews the data a good amount. But um, so even when I isolate it, we were getting a lot of views to the site, but I wasn't getting a lot of contacts. And if any of you guys have never optimized your search console, go to Google and put in Google search console. And that is something for free you have access to. And you're able to install that or sync it up with your website and see all the search terms, which pages people are going to. It is like, and if you're not, you know, this is very, I'm not an SEO guy, but I know enough to be dangerous. And any one of you could be the same way. Go be dangerous. Look at your search console. But we were seeing people were getting to the pricing page and then not hitting us up. So what we did is we experimented. And I use a company called Flex for my website and CRM. And I contacted uh, the guy, Joe, who does, who does the website. I said, hey, man, can you go ahead and, and tell people that they got to give name, email, and phone number to get it? And it actually worked really well because honestly, because we do PT first, which is meaning we require people to do one-on-one -on -one coaching before joining a group program, we tailor it. Like you starting off, like what you pay us in the beginning is different for everybody. Some people are doing five sessions. Some people might be doing 10. Some people might be doing like, you know, two sessions, we're letting them in the group and they're doing a remedial 30-minute session every three weeks for the next month, right? Is there a formula for this so that you and your staff know? Yeah, you know what? I, and I, I leave it up to the coach who does the consultation and what we call day one. Day one is my word uh, that we've developed with Urban Movement Branding-wise because I hate the word consultation. It sounds too medical. So our day one appointments, when we have someone come in and we give a tour, we sit down and talk with them. And then we, you know, we either ghost them or do a fitness assessment. Um, that's where he, that, that coach, whoever's doing that, he's hundred percent in control of telling them what they have to buy if they want to get started here. Well, so, and obviously that day one resonates. It's like, Hey, this is the first day of your journey. Correct. And we want it to be day one of many. I, I like it. So with, with urban movement, your goal is to franchise. How many franchises are you looking to have out there? Not a clue. And I don't have any aspirations for it. I want to, the one thing I want to do is I've done a little bit of everything, right? I did the mobile personal training. And I, I mean, I look think back to my early twenties when I did mobile personal training and the money I made as a side hustle. And it just, I, I wish I was documenting back then. It was uh, it was silly. I did that, the boot camp thing, the CrossFit affiliate, all this stuff. I don't know, to be honest with you, Jace. Um, I do know that What The Fuck Gym Talk has afforded me a really cool, unique opportunity to uh, make some really cool connections, whether I've ever met them in person or whether they just like listen to my content with micro gym owners all over the world. And I think a lot of them listen to what I do and what I've done. And they look at Urban Movement in day one and like, dude, this guy is, I'm not going to lie, that's pretty fucking sharp. 
And who knows, maybe at some point in three years when I open up franchise applications, there's going to be WTF fans that listen and be like, you know what? I've been doing this thing for a while and maybe I'm really successful. I'd like to do something else. Maybe I want, I, I like Stu. I want to get in on what he's doing with Urban Movement. I'd like to own one of those. I'd like to franchise that. Or maybe it's a gym owner who's like, I don't know what it is. I'm CrossFit East or whatever it is. And I've been trying forever. I just can't make it work. I would love some business direction. I would love to be associated with a brand like Urban Movement and a brain like what Stu has and the team he's put together. I'd love to have that direction and have geographical protection and this unique model. And I'm going to retrofit my gym. That's one of the things we're going to do. We're going to create a retrofit option where a micro gym currently could, for a less cost, retrofit their current location. With There's certain, you know, certain locations that won't work, some that will. But um, yeah, I'd be honest, I don't know. I don't really have any aspirations. I want two corporate-owned ones here in Charlotte. And then I want to I wanna open it up and kind of see. I've got some cities that we've looked at and visited that we think would be good fits. But um, again, we're still talking like two, three years down the road, which to me seems like tomorrow. But I know for a lot of people listening, that's like, oh, that's way off. Like to me, that's literally next week. Yeah, especially in that franchise world. Yeah. So you, you've mentioned the Self-Made Summit a couple of times. It's October 19th and 20th. It's in it Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a easy airport to get to if you wanted to fly yeah. in. Uh, and they actually have some great food in that airport. They got barbecue. They got a Burger King. Yeah. They got yep. a bun. Um, so, and they got the rocking chairs. Yes, they do. So yeah. Nice. So talk to me about this summit. Why should I go? So this summit is 100% designed to help very few people. It is designed to only help micro gym owners or CrossFit affiliates who are considering repositioning their brand or completely rebranding it. And they're, not, they're on the fence. They're just not sure if it's for them. So what I did is I brought together, um, I got Steve Pinkerton, who I believe, you, do you know Steve Pinkerton? He owns CrossFit Vitality. You guys did an open workout there. CrossFit HQ did an open workout there back in 2014, maybe. Um, and Steve has an amazing CrossFit brand. And then he created a separate brand attached, kind of like a lot of gyms try to do with a boot camp or a light version. He did it at a level that I've never seen done with a completely separate company, a completely different brand and an identity and all this other stuff. And it's completely exploded. He's, it, it's, it dwarfs his CrossFit program, right? Um, he went ahead and he purchased the building like I did. And he, his, his business acumen is very high. And he's a very unique model. So he's one that stuck with CrossFit and created a second brand to appeal to the other group that doesn't want CrossFit. I have Mike Jones, who owned three of the larger gyms in Minneapolis, CrossFit St. Paul and all these other ones. And then he, he rebranded into Alchemy 365, which is the most, probably one of the most innovative models we've seen that, com that truly does combine yoga, barefoot, gymnastic, or, uh, yoga mat, and kipping, right? Like combined it and interwoven into an amazing class structure. That is five locations in Minneapolis and two or three locations in Denver right now. And then I brought in Brandon Cullen and Kirk, who own a local company called Metabolic. They own an affiliate here in Charlotte. And early, 2012 early, they decided they saw an, an opportunity in the market to do something a little bit more space effective. And they went and created Metabolic, which is they franchise. They're going to have, I think, 10 locations in eight states by the time the, the self-made summit happens. So I went and got guys that all did great as CrossFit gyms. They just all saw an opportunity to do something a little bit different. Obviously, myself will be there as well. Um, and, and I wanted to get them together because this idea of rebranding, repositioning is not a common one. It's not like we're not a lot of people are talking about it in circles, but no one is saying like, here's a panel of experts that have done this to the tune of multiple locations, like 
Metabolic is a franchise and Alchemy 365 is corporate owned, right? So like two different models, depending on which route you might want to go. There's probably some gym owners who think like, I can do this. I've got three CrossFit gyms right now. I think I could franchise this. Who do you go to talk to about that? There's not a lot of guys in our space. So I wanted to bring all of them under one roof. Um, and then we also have Joe Tabaldi, who's my branding and marketing coach. He owns Flex, who does our website and CRM. And Joe's one of the best branding minds out there. I just, I'm so freaking, freaking, what am I fucking so lucky that I have physical access to him. He's literally here in Charlotte. It's just been one of the, the best interactions and, and, and relationships I've made in, the, in my business career here in Charlotte. Um, he's going to be speaking on taking your brand. And if you're, if you're kind of not in love with it anymore, you want to change it, how to make it come to life, how to make this new idea, how to think tank on that. Cause that's the hardest thing. You talk to someone who's like, ah, I just want something different. And you're like, well, what is it you want? And they're like, I don't know. I can't even begin that abstract thinking process. Cause that takes a very different mindset to think of how I want someone to make my brand feel right. Cause we don't own our brands. Our customer owns the brand and how they resonate with it when they hear the name. What does their gut say and their brain say when they hear the name urban movement? And so we don't own it. We can try to cultivate it, but we truly don't own it at the end of the day. We just hope that we put all the right pieces out there and the end result is positive. So if someone goes to urban movement, like, dude, yeah, it's kind of like CrossFit, but kind of less like competitiveness and just a little less intimidating. Or it's like orange theory. It's just not as boring or however they resonated and, and however they talk about it. But, um, yeah, that, that's what the self-made summit is. It's two days, guys. And the day before, Jace, you're going to love this. Because um, you haven't been down in Charlotte. Have you done a seminar in Charlotte recently? Not recently, but I've done a handful in Charlotte. You, I, yeah, I know. You, you came to my old location a couple of yeah. times, I think. Um, Charlotte is a hotbed. Literally on one road, we have a Barry's Boot Camp, Metabolic, Urban Movement, F45, Orange Theory, and Eat the Frog. Now, some of these brands, some people have never even heard of, like Eat the Frog maybe and stuff like that. Like These are multi-million dollar franchise locations that are coming to a city near you. Promise you that. Mark Wahlberg is shoving F45s down the throats of franchisees in the fitness space all over the country. They're coming. And so we're going to do a micro gym bar crawl at Friday ahead of time. People are going to be able to come and we are going to go take a couple classes at a couple of these different ones to see the class experience to learn. What are these guys doing that we could like and maybe think about how we could steal it, running it through our own branding machine and do something different and better at our own gym. And because uh, it's a lot of people can't don't have that opportunity to have all those big players in a two mile radius like I do. So we're going to do a bar crawl the Friday before. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, if you go, like you mentioned earlier, Times Square, you go to New York, you see all those berries, boot camps yeah. everywhere. Personally, I've never even heard of Eat the Eat the Frog. I know the book by uh, Brian Tracy, Eat That yes, Frog. Correct. I'm assuming that's kind of... Yeah, you cool. eat the frog in the, early in the morning. It's the worst thing you'll do every day. It started up in Canada um, and they've made their way. They were in Arizona, very heavy in Arizona and now Charlotte and Tennessee. I want to read a quote from your website. During this 22-month process, I got married, built a new house. My wife had a baby. Oh, and I started a business consulting service. Does anything sound wrong about that sentence? No. I don't know if I did. I include that I bought a that I built a house and I bought a building. I don't know if I included that. You include, you know, your whole, you know, just so you know, I'm on wtfgymtalk.com. There's a section that says about Stu. So I was reading that earlier before we got on, and it makes it sound very much like your wife was over there. She's having a, like somehow she got pregnant. I wasn't involved, but she had a baby. 
also. Yeah, also had a baby. Yeah, it was. It's um, you know, I like it, we had a child. It was my yeah. wife did that thing. I, my guess is that anybody visiting the WTF Gym Talk website, they're just, they're more concerned. Everyone's very selfish in their pursuits when we go in from, when we go from awareness to the considerations phase of buying. So guys, if you don't know the three stages of buying, there's awareness, consideration, and then purchase. And if you're at a website, you are now in consideration mode. You are you're aware of a brand and now you're going to consideration and you might be thinking of purchasing. And I'm one of these guys, I don't like to talk about myself a ton. Like even when I give a bio and all that, I like try to keep it brief. And my personal stuff aside, I, I do. I try to like, oh yeah, my wife or we've been married this long or all that. Like I don't go into pretty much to too gross of details on it because people, they're there to find out how can Stu unfuck my business. And I'm just trying to probably stick to that. I just, I found that personally, you know, we talked about comedians earlier and really what they're doing is just putting words in different orders and, and laughing about it. Yeah. And, you know, when I read that, I, it made me laugh because I'm like, I truly in fairness i questioned i was like was he the dad when i read <laughs> i was like oh like he married someone who had a baby that's cool yeah. like i didn't think the anything of it. paternity test is still out um oh, no yeah we'll, no, it look is, the, the, we'll look at the hair no you gotta see this kid she she is definitely me that is definitely is definitely my kid but um yeah just the uh that, <laughs> that's my wife didn't pro- she didn't proofread that one obviously before i went live on the website Stu, before we wrap up, tell me a book that you recommend all listeners read. Oh, he's got it near him. Primal Branding by Patrick Hanlon. There are seven elements to every brand that we all, that if any brand that you mess with, that you enjoy or you look up to has seven elements to it. And Patrick Hanlon broke those seven down. And this book is one that you... um you need to make sure that you're, you're taking notes throughout because you're going to start thinking like, oh, lexicon. Lexicon are sacred words. Like if you meet another CrossFitter that you've never met before and you say, Cindy, you instantly have language together. When I created Urban Movement, I got rid of all the CrossFit lexicon. We don't call things wads. We don't use the word AMRAP because I, was, I needed to create a separate identity. So creating my own lexicon was such a long, lengthy process, but it's important for brand. Kind of like Starbucks. Go anywhere else, say, I want a, I want a venti. Yeah, you got it. You nailed it, right? So it, it's stuff like that. So there's there's seven elements. Um, pagans and haters is another really unique one. You need to figure out who is going to be your pagans, your haters, people that will not buy your thing because they're not into it. And it's not a bad thing, but you have to identify too many gyms. And tell me, Jason, how many times you've heard this? I'm CrossFit so and so, and whether you've never done CrossFit before or you're a high end competitor, we can help you. Now that may be true. And yes, you will get both. They will trickle in, but your marketing message must be clear. And that is not a clear marketing message. That spectrum is too broad. It'd be way better if you said, hey, we're CrossFit so-and-so. And and if you've never done CrossFit before, we can help you get started. Couch the CrossFit, whatever. And will you get some of those high-end people that trickle in? Sure. But your marketing message would be way more effective if you spoke to a specific avatar. And when you identify who you want to speak to, you have to identify who you don't want to speak to. In this book, that's one of the seven elements they help you with. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's very reminiscent to me of Simon Sinek's, you know, first talk that took off about Apple. Yeah. They, you know, know, his golden circle, the why one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Which is one of my favorite books. Absolutely. All right. Well, your bang is almost done, which means, you know, you got to go hit a class or whatever you call it at Urban Movement. What do you call it? <laughs> oh, no, there's just classes. Yeah, there's classes at Urban Movement. Yeah. 
I think you should really go with some sort of redheaded lexicon there. Like really, you know, like everything has to do with ginger and all that. That's the thing though. I don't want you to be associated with the urban movement at all. Like that's, that's my, that's the hardest part when we create content for urban movement, like our podcasts and stuff like that. I have to like, I try to, I don't want to be a part of it because Google search, it's going to fuck people are going to search me or something. They're going to find what the fuck and they're getting confused. And um, so, yeah, I'd love to pull myself completely out of it. Makes sense. No, you know, you don't want to be the brand. You want the brand to be the brand. Sure. Correct. Well, you've nailed it. We've had a great conversation ranging from redheads to cursing to, you know, the self-made summit, which I highly recommend people checking out. Anything else you wanted to add? Let me roll the red carpet out for you. Oh, yeah. No, that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, you can, uh, anyone can reach me at WTF Gym Talk on every handle. You know, I do a blog on YouTube and then the Instagram, like everybody else. And I'm very, one thing I'm, because uh, this is my full-time job, like I'm going to finish this bang and I'm going to get another bang. And then I've got three videos to shoot today. Um, and it's, it's just one of these things where I pride myself on getting back to everybody via audio message or video message typically. Like there's nobody that's probably sent me a question through any media channel that I haven't responded to with my voice or my face. And um, anyway, if I good, you know what? I think more people need to do that. I had a, I got a really personal text the other day from a good buddy of mine, and he sent it to probably ten to twenty people. And it was long. I took a moment. I read it, and I called him. And I left a message. He didn't pick up, and he got back to me. He said, "You're the only one that called." And he said, that really meant a lot to me. And honestly, the reason I called was because it was easier. It's easier. I audio message everybody for the most part. I don't text. It takes me too long. And my thumbs, I'm just not good at texting. So I just hold down the audio message and I leave people those little audio voicemail kind of things. And it's, and here's the thing too, for my kind of delivery, because I text like I talk, hey fucker, what are you doing? Let's go get some fucking lunch like that. It's my tone comes off a lot more authentic and people are like, oh, he actually sounds like he's kind of a good guy. He just has a potty mouth when I do my audio message. So that's that I, I recommend that to everyone. You're right though. It's way more personal. And if you're tuning in and you're hearing Stu for the first time, let me also say there's science that proves the more you curse, the smarter you are. <laughs> so, and I'm sure you, you know, got that from Stu by the end of this. He's clearly smart. Everything you said is great. I, I love it. You know, I, I love what you're doing. Like we said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a CrossFit guy, you know, to the end, but I can appreciate what you're doing. And one thing I, I do like about it is there are people out there that are de-affiliating, but ripping off CrossFit. Yeah trying to create something new and i think yeah. it's a very different thing yeah so, um i can i can appreciate that and and uh i look forward to seeing more and hopefully there'll be an urban movement down the road in naples i'm sure naples will take a little while to get here that, but. that might take a little while that might take again i might i gotta get that uh spf 1000 to come on down there yeah you'll get burned by the time you <laughs> land so well i appreciate it Stu. enjoy the rest of your day and, and thanks again for coming on the show jace has been a pleasure man thank you dude Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And just so you guys know, it is bonus week. We're going to be bringing you an episode every day, Monday through Friday this week. And we've got some great, great interviews and episodes coming your way. Check out besthouroftheirday.com if you haven't already. And you can find us on social media at Best Hour of Their Day or email us, Best Hour of Their Day at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.